You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in H-Town and Texans fans all over the world. This is Locked On Texans Podcast, only on the Locked On Podcast Network. And as always, you can find Locked On Texans on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, and Spotify. Your Houston Texans have made it to the divisional round of the AFC playoffs, and they will be facing off against the almighty, the NBA version of the Golden State Warriors 2.0, the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to take them down. Sunday at Arrowhead Stadium. It's going to be a tough one. Unfortunately, we don't have the home crowd on our side like we did on Saturday, but we still have faith in this team, especially for me, knowing that my number one team is gone because they did not show up. But we're not going to get into that today. My number one team is heading to Arrowhead. <laughs> You're lying. But this is your home team. You can still <laughs> claim them because this is your home. You're, you're from here. Me. I'm happy for him. I, I'm from the team that didn't show up against Minnesota. I'm happy for him. I'm John, some sports guy, Hickman. Uh, along with my co-host here, Cody Davis. And yes, we are talking about your Houston Texans at the end of the day. Our Houston Texans, man. Look, can we... Okay, whether we are fans of other teams or not, we wouldn't do this show if we did not have... Well, I mean, we probably would, but <laughs> I love doing the show. I do, know? too. Like, I love the Texans. I do. I don't and love I'm, them as I'm much as the black and them. gold, but I love them. I'm happy for them because... Out of every team that faced adversity this year, I mean, the Texans rank right up there. You lose your cornerback. You lose your entire secondary. You lose J.J. Watt before the season even starts. Lamar Miller goes down. You fire Brian Gain. There's a lot of chaos and confusion. We're dogging them. Fans are dogging them. The media are dogging them. And then, listen, you go out there, you get signature wins, one of which against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I know they are the what you want to call you know, the Golden State Warriors, but there's a very strong possibility that we can beat this team. Now, of course, this is a totally, totally different Kansas City Chiefs team. And we're going to talk about that with their defense today. They're much improved defense. But I also believe that getting J.J. Watt back, we're going to see what's going to happen with some key players like Jonathan Joseph, like Will Fuller, who OB Coach O'Brien mentions that there are a few other stages Fuller has to pass before clearing him to play Sunday. So he got an extra week. Technically, he got an extra day because the game is played on Sunday, not Saturday. Uh, he also believes that uh, Jonathan Joseph was not a healthy scratch, but may- maybe he'll be back for Sunday. That'll add to that secondary, uh, along with Gary Conley, who has been playing phenomenal since he's arrived, has 18 pass deflections with the Houston Texans. This game is not far out of reach. But I'll tell you one thing, what has to happen, or what cannot happen, rather, is a first-half slump like the Texans put on Saturday. It's like I said on the show yesterday. They have to come out gunning. They cannot afford to go down 16-0 to a team like the Kansas City Chiefs because that offense is a hell of a lot more better than the offense that we faced on Saturday in Houston. Very much so. Very much so. And, and, And they're getting healthy at the right time. They got healthy at the right time. 
Uh, Tyron Matthew. We have a lot of ties to this team. Honey Badger, what did he play last year? Houston. Play for Houston. Uh, we know that we traded Martinez Rankin for Carlos Hyde, who was on the roster for the Kansas City Chiefs. We also know that the ties between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston, Texas area is, is just as strong. So there's a lot of ties, a lot of storylines that maybe you can bring up. Who knows? But it will be an excited game come Sunday. And I'm sorry, guys. I sound like this. I'm back on IR. Have to, you know, I have to leave work early today because the germs attacked me again. We need to reach out to J.J. Watt and see if we can do our own 30 for 30 special called The Sack. Because that segment all over ESPN is <laughs> on Monday. You know what? I, I think that would be interesting because we can literally do um, – we can start from the beginning of his career. Mm-hmm. And then just an uh, entire documentary until he, you know, whenever he calls it quits. Mm. I think it'll be fun. I think so. It needs to be the sax. The sax. Yeah, it has to be multiple. The sax. JJ Watts. I don't know. The Listeners, sax. let us know what we should title the JJ Watt documentary. And if we don't do JJ Watt, I want to do a documentary on Andre Johnson. <laughs> Far from Florida. Oh, my gosh. I like that. I like that. I like that one. But hopefully, when we do this documentary on J.J. Watt, hopefully Sunday's game will be a highlight instead of a sad reel of what might happen. Yeah. Especially against that Kansas City Chiefs defense. Yeah, and you know, first of all, I hope we don't get a a Watt cat. I don't know if you guys remember that. As a matter of fact, I'm sure you guys remember that Watt cat. One of the worst play calls I've ever seen in my life. But Sunday's game against the Kansas City Chiefs will not be like the early in the season game against the Kansas City Chiefs where they were hobbled. That defense was not placed together. Uh, Coach Spag did not have, you know, at the time at least, he did not have the, the the time with the players that he would have wanted to get them in spots and just the chemistry there. But since week 10, this is a completely different defense, completely different defense. They're number seven uh, right now in the league. They have 23 takeaways. 45 sacks on the year. That D-line, the front seven, rather, is anchored by Frank Clark and Chris Jones. The defense creates a total of 338 yards on sacks, uh, which ranks them number four in the league during the regular season. And that's big because they're not getting – no sack is meaningless, but they're getting meaningful sacks. They're pushing your ass back. They're making first and 10. This is going to be second and 17. This is going to be a fight to get to that first down. This defense is different, and there's a preparation here that the Texans really, of course, they're going to do what they can, but they're going to have to go through the process of really scheming, getting guys in lanes, space to make moves. Early in the season, we talked a lot about uh, Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. He's played phenomenal. He's a first-team all-pro. Back-to-back weeks, we're going against a a team that has first-team all-pros on their defense. I'm excited to see what this team can do, but the Chiefs' defense is not no pump. Since week 11, the Chiefs have yielded just 11 and a half points per game. Uh, spectacular defense from the 23, actually 24 points per game early in the season. Teams ran all over Kansas City through the first 10 outings um, at 148 yards per game. Ever since they mindset uh, transformed during the, the, the game they played in Mexico, I don't know if you guys remember that, The Chiefs have only allowed 95 yards per game on the ground. They will be without rookie stud safety. Juan Thorhill, he tore his ACL in Week 17. 
but I don't see that just stopping this team. Kendall Fuller has been playing tremendous. We know about Chris Jones. We know about Frank Clark. We know about Raglan. We know about this front seven. They're getting after their quarterback, the opposing quarterbacks. They're making it difficult for other teams to score the ball. Over the last three games, the Kansas City Chiefs front seven has only given up 87 rushing yards. Over the last three games, they have only given up an average of 87 rushing yards. And two of those games was against Melvin Gordon and Phillip Lindsay. Most definitely. And Coach Spag has done an amazing job. Not here's what Coach Spag does that I think sometimes we really wish Romeo Cornell could do. Now, granted, uh, Cornell has dealt with a lot more injuries on his secondary and his team period on defense, but Spag just really continued to coach them up. If you want to talk about wavering the storm, uh, through the first 10 games, the Chiefs unit on defense was ranked 19th in scoring. Uh, after the first 10 games, they knocked it down to seven, made those adjustments, improved that defense. Uh, but here's where it gets interesting. Also, through seven games, uh, seven games of 20 or more points were scored before week 10, four of which was 30-plus. Uh, only allowed one game of uh, 20 since that mark. So, like I said, they've improved, which really is going to cause issues for this Texans offense. But it depends on which offense we get. Are we going to get that offense that put up the 31 against the Chiefs early in the season, the 53 against the Falcons? the work that they did against the Chargers, how they beat the Patriots. Those are some of those notable wins, and that offense was clicking all the way through. Because here's here's where it gets interesting. The teams that they played outside of the number seven ranked uh, scoring offense in the league, which is the Patriots, they played the Chargers. They're ranked 21 on offense. The Raiders, they're ranked 24. Like I said, the Patriots were ranked seventeen, uh, ranked seven. The Broncos and the Bears back to back are ranked twenty seven and twenty eight, and then the Chargers are ranked twenty one. They played them to end the season, so they were not playing outside of the prolific, the uh, Patriots prolific scoring offenses. You know, they were playing guys who were in the bottom half of the league. Now, what's scary about that is the Texans can hover over that under that standard sometimes. Playing very bad, very poor on offense, confused, taking sacks, which cannot happen. You cannot allow seven sacks this game because if you allow seven sacks, those sacks are not going to be just 28 yards. They're going to get after you. They're going to cause fumbles. They're going to cause takeaways. And they're going to push you back from your first down, whatever it is you're trying to get to. But I'm optimistic because, for one, and I hate to say it, I know everybody's tired of hearing it, but if we get Fuller back, I got to put that out there, then the offense does change a little bit. We know that. The offense scores a touchdown more when he's on the field, right? So that's a that's a, a key thing for the, the Texans. And then, honestly, I think as a coaching staff, you just got to let Deshaun Watson play, and he has to be decisive with his moves. So there's a chance that this Texan offense can take on this chief defense good enough to win the game. But it's all about the Jekyll and Hyde. Which one's going to show up for the Houston Texans? Well, it don't matter which one show up for the Houston Texans because that front seven of the Chiefs defense has really been good. I just gave you the numbers of the Russian defense. When the Houston Texans beat the Kansas City Chiefs, I believe it was week five or week six, the Kansas City Chiefs allowed 192 rushing yards that game. Mm-hmm. Carlos Hyde had a big game, 26 carries for 116 yards. Revenge I game. That was a revenge uh-huh. game. But at the end of the day, I guarantee you, 
I, I hope Bill O'Brien and his coaching staff are not using that game as a pinpoint of saying, okay, this is how we're going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Because as you mentioned, and as I mentioned, this front seven has really been on a tear over the past, not just three games, but the past six games. Like they, They're coming into this game on a six-game winning streak, and that defense has a lot to do with it. The Texans are going to need some kind of flexibility to see how they're going to attack this team. It, and that's what makes it, once again, so much important to have a guy like Will Fuller to be out on the field. Very much so. And But I will say this. At the end of the day, you might not agree with what I'm about to say, but I am a little bit confident in what this team can do against the Kansas City Chiefs because if they could come out gunning from, from the opening drive, and if they can score on a Buffalo Bills defense. A very tough defense. Uh, but and arguably, for the long time, a lot of people were saying that the Bills had the best defense in the league. But at the end of the day, if they can go out and score 22 points on that Buffalo Bills defense, I am confident in what they can do against the Kansas City Chiefs because, yes, they have improved. But at the end of the day, that Chiefs defense is not the Bills defense and what they have been throughout the whole entire season. Absolutely, and I can't wait later in the week for us to talk about what the Texans' offense can do. But we're definitely going to dive into what the Texans' defense can do because, hey, listen, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and I haven't even mentioned my homie. So they're going to have huge assignments, huge expectations, and I will say this. I hate when we talk about this team sometimes because the key word we use is the word if. If, if, if my dad used to say, if if was a fifth, what would we be? We all be drunk. They can't come out playing drunk on Sunday against this Kansas City Chiefs offense. So John thinks it's not me who thinks the 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 storyline, the 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 backup storyline to the Chiefs against the Texans. I think it'll be amazing. Is the battle of the barbecue? Battle of the barbecue. I've never heard. Kansas City being known from their barbecue. We know that Memphis, Tennessee, well, Tennessee and Pierre. It's always just been Texas and in Tennessee. We know that they're known for barbecue. We know we're known for barbecue, but so is Kansas City. I've never heard of that. Imagine the tailgating and Texans fans travel. They travel. It's going to get interesting. Who has the most, the best barbecue? Who has the most flavor? Who has the best sauce? I I think it'll be interesting. I've never heard of that. You've never met a true Kansas Cityan. Is I that what you call Kansas well, City no, people? When I, when I was an intern with the Skeeters, ah, it was Quentin. me my other intern guy. He was from Kansas City. Quentin is from Kansas City. He'll vouch for Kansas City barbecue. I don't know, but... Um, It'll be a fun tailgate. Yeah. I know we get full, but I know it's not going to be fun watching the Texans defense try to stop the Kansas City Chiefs offense. It could be fun if we get a, a replay of Saturday's game. Am I being a little too optimistic? No, you're not being optimistic, but at the end of the day, you need to be a little bit more realistic. Ah, well, the Kansas City Chiefs offense right now, they are hovering around 48% on third downs. And while they hover around that, that is exactly what the Texans are allowing on third downs. Listen, first and foremost, you have to get this team off the field. The more they're on the field, the more they – it's like a tapeworm. The more it's in there, the more it's going to get hungry and hungry and hungry and one more. And an offense that, you know, that features Tyreek Hill, 
Travis Kelsey, uh, Hartman, Robinson, and Patrick Mahomey, they're going to do damage. The issue is what defense can you run to stop them? If you run zone, well, they have Travis Kelsey. If you run man, especially with a hobble defense that the Texans secondary is, then you have Tyreek Hill. You also have Robinson and Hartman at one point clocked the highest miles per hour running um, at one point this season. So the defensive side of it is where it gets tricky. What do you run with them? But I also think the front seven is going to mean a lot. A lot. I'm expecting to see a replay of what J.J. Watt was able to do along with Whitney Merciless. Check him Martin, who had a decent game. He had a sack. D.J. Reader controlling the middle, who also wants to make sure he returns as a Houston Texans looking for a contract at the end of this season. But the front seven, I think, is going to be critical in this game. Why? Because, for first and foremost, I think for the most part of the season, we haven't been able to fully trust our secondary. Now, Roby has had a very good season, and I want him to return back in the red, white, and blue. I think Garyon Conley deserves to return back in the red, white, and blue. We don't know what's going on with Jonathan Joseph, you know, uh, but if they can get after Patrick Mahomes, and he is master of throwing difficult throws under the degree of difficulty that shocks us all the time, but if they can get after him more consistently, early and often, rough him up, I'm not saying do anything intentional, but if you can go out there and rough Patrick Mahomes up, then yes, you have a shot of beating this team. And another aspect that you really know that it's going to be one-sided is, uh, well, the lack thereof is the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs do not run the ball well. They only average 98 yards per game. They're not a good rushing team. And on top of that, if you get them off the field early and often by causing turnovers or just getting after, you know, Patrick Mahomes, then you can run the ball on them pretty damn good. They allow 128 on the ground. Overall in the season that we talked about how in the last few weeks they only allow 95. However, they were not playing against teams that had a who? Houdini. They didn't have Deshaun Watson on these teams who can do a lot with his legs. They didn't have a Carlos Hyde or Duke Johnson. So if you stop them early and often, and I know I'm, I'm being re- repetitive right now, I'm repeating myself, but the key is getting them off the field early, winning the third downs, roughing up Patrick Mahomes, making his throws, his decisions, all of the above, difficult. That way, you have the ball in Deshaun Watson's hand more often. They might not run the ball very well, but they make it up with the receiving core and, of course, the throwing arm of Patrick Mahomes. Over the last six games, they have averaged a total of 281 receiving yards per game, while the Houston Texans has given up a total of 267 for the entire season. I do not have confidence that the Texans' secondary are going to be able to slow down Patrick Mahomes in that receiver. But that's why court. I put it on the front seven to show up. But that's the thing. Put it on the front seven You're to show up. You're putting it on the front seven to show up, but they don't run the ball so well to the point they're probably used to teams coming in saying, okay, we're going to put a lot of pressure on our front seven to make it tough on Patrick Mahomes. And that's probably part of the reason why he's able to make those, oh my God, how did he get out of that? Oh my God, how did he throw it like that? That's probably why, because he knows, and that team knows, going into the game, that's probably going to be every defensive team number one game plan in order to stop them. But John, at the end of the day, we have talked about this a lot. Every single every single game this season, from, from opening night when they lost against the Saints, all the way down to last Saturday when they beat the Buffalo Bills. 
I honestly do believe the weakest part of the Texans' entire roster is that secondary, secondary. and this secondary will be the reason why the Texans will not advance to the AFC Championship game. I think if this team wins, Houston wins, the front seven will do an amazing job of really controlling the line of scrimmage, getting after Mahomes. And by the way, I'm not going to count out Brian Anger again. If he can get the team, you know, if he can punt this team into a great position, three punts in a row, they was inside the 15th Saturday, the Buffalo Bills. Three punts in a row made it difficult for an offense to move the ball. Now, granted, I understand this team that we're about to play Sunday, the Chiefs, they're not the Buffalo Bills. That offense is prolific. I get it. But the degree of difficulty from going 80 yards compared to 40, 50, even 60, it rises. It rises a lot. And so I'm looking at Brian Anger to help out the defense and the front seven to really cause disruption up front, getting after Mahomes and making a lot of his decision-making difficult. Another thing I want to mention is that the Kansas City Chiefs might have a sense of comfortability playing against the Texans defense. And I only say that because what they've been averaging in a six-game winning streak is what the Texans have been giving up the whole entire season. Over the last six games, the Kansas City Chiefs has been averaging a total of 28 points per game. The Houston Texans defense for the whole entire season has given up an average of 24. And by no means am I saying this game will be a cakewalk, a walk in the park at all. You know, this offense features, first and foremost, number one, Andy Reid, an offensive guru who just so happened to draft up and get Patrick Mahomes, who said a year after behind um, Alex Smith and has chemistry with Kelsey, Hill, Hardman, Robinson. You know, everybody on this team, this offense is amazing. And when they get hot, they're difficult to beat. A lot of pressure is going to be on Romeo Cornell. Game calling, gameplay calling. What is he going to do? How can he put his players in a position to win? We'll see how that's going to turn out. But is it doable? Everything's doable. Everything needs a puncher's chance. The Texans got a puncher's chance Saturday when J.J. Watt got the sack. You need big plays like that consistently against an offense that's not the Buffalo Bills. We know the Buffalo Bills. They only score 19 points per game. The Kansas City Chiefs hover around 28. We'll see how the game is going to turn out. Of course, the entire week, we're going to do updates, give you guys all the information, especially with the injury report. That's going to be huge this week to see who is in and who's out. And uh, you know what? If we have any Kansas City people out there, let us know how your barbecue is. I don't think you're messing with Texas. I don't think nobody's really messing with Texas, but you're we'll not. see about that. Send us a plate, by the way. Yeah, send, well, send Cody a plate. I'm not eating it. Wow. Why would I eat it? Just have them sitting through with Deshaun Watson in them. When, oh, when they come, come back. Home. Yeah, when they with come the dub. back. Dub or loss. Anyway, uh, it goes. They got to come back. Look at this guy here. They got to come back. So, Saints fans. I'm John, <laughs> some sports guy Hickman here. Follow me on Twitter at some sports guy with two Y's at the end. Don't forget to follow the Locked On Texans page on Twitter as well. And you can argue that sports.com, a sports website publication that Cody and I created. Podcasts, articles, up to dates, whatever you need. We're also looking for contributors as well. So if you are an aspiring journalist, if you are an aspiring podcaster, you know, hey, DM us. You know, we're here. We want to give opportunities, uh, good opportunities as well, for, for you to write freely, podcast freely. Um, so let us know. And the key word here is freely. Freely. <laughs>
<laughs> and listeners, once again, I just want to remind you guys, when the season is over, things get slow in the NFL. We want a chance for you guys to be on the show. You could debate us, Houston Texans. You can talk Houston Texans with us. Please let us let us know. As John said, DM us. We will schedule you throughout the offseason to make sure. We're going to pick a day. We're going to call it Hear From the Fan Day at Locked On Texans. We just want to make sure you guys have a chance to let y'all voice be heard, just like us. So, And once again, this is Cody Davis. Please follow me on Twitter at Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. As a Saints fan, I am not angry. I am not mad. I could accept that we lost on Sunday only due to the fact Minnesota came in there and outplayed us. They outplayed us. Saints had no answer. But at the end of the day, that loss just made me more mad about what happened a year ago. Ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> He's sad now, guys. I wish I could. I'm not sad. I- I'm okay. He's taking out the anger. I'm okay. You, you the one that said uh, Brady coming back. I'm okay. No, you're not. I'm all right. No, you're not. Anyways, locked on Texans, guys. But we give you the daily Texans talking news update. Like I said, we will continue to give you the injury report. Until next time, word from the wise: you get hurt in college, make sure you get your money. Shout out to Tua Togaluga, who is heading to the 2020 draft. Until tomorrow, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.